When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast, a weekly look at life and league. We have a great big interview for you uh, this week with a recent Man of Steel, the Castleford Tigers captain and England international, uh, Paul McShane, joins me a bit later to talk about the World Cup, about England, about Castleford, about Daryl Powell, Warrington and unfortunately about uh, Jax O'Neill and Love Island as well. Uh, It is a really good listen though, uh, catching up half an hour or so to come in the company of Paul McShane and his uh, retirement plans uh, he reveals he already knows where and what he wants to be doing in uh, about three years time when he reckons he'll be uh, drawing time on his career so that's worth sticking around for as well Uh, we've got plenty to get through prior to that with Love Rugby Rugby League reporter uh, beg your pardon uh, Josh McAllister who is with us we'll look ahead to Magic Weekend it's uh, it's Magic Week Uh, we've got Tony Smith's departure uh, to go through we've got a big name uh, defecting to Rugby Union to discuss uh, as well as where we've been over uh, the past weekend. So let's start with you. Which Rugby League game did you take in and what did you make of it? Yeah, Sunday I was at the um, Halliwell John Stadium for Warrington versus Salford and it was, um, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Obviously Darrell Powell wasn't happy after the game. He, he couldn't he couldn't believe it. So it was crazy how his team lost it from the position they were in. I think 24-8 up with 25 minutes to go. And it did. Uh, I was sat and I already my, wrote my headline of were it in closing on playoffs. I'll never do that. No, no, I shouldn't because then Jack Madrid scores one <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, actually. And then he scores his second and he puts them in the lead. His name kicks it and they're leading by two. And then Ryan really seals it, I think, on the 76th minute. And you, if you were a Warrington fan, you would just you wouldn't believe it because all they had to do from that point, which is what Daryl Powell also said, is all they had to do was complete their sets, kick long, and defend together. And for some reason, that last 20 minutes, they just they just fell apart. They just looked like a team that don't know how to win at the minute. I know they was they were big enough how they kept Hull trialless, scoreless the week before, but they just look like a team who just don't know how to keep hold of a lead and win. Uh, it's increasingly alarming what's happening at Warrington Wolves at the moment. I, I do hope they stick with the projects, given the time he needs. Clearly nothing is going to be um, be done this season. Uh, you know, I think the talk of the, the playoffs and such are, are way off for Warrington. I think they just need to to realise this season is a building season, but it, it looks so disjointed still. And 
who would be a coach. I talked to Paul McShane about this on on the big interview in the podcast a little later on. And he, he says he's been chatting regularly with Daryl Powell, who he's very close to, and, and what he's going through at the moment. Because we forget, much like us, coaches are human beings. So I always want to like, I hope you're all right type thing, because he's getting pelters at the moment from, from Warrington fans. And you can't blame them for that, because they're paying the money to go and see a successful side, and they're seeing utter dross every week and it's not like they've got a bad squad either what, what makes it's a phenomenal think, squad yeah exactly and, and, and Powell has obviously always started making signings for next year so you think they're going to give him to the end of the year yeah. and then they'll give him next year to really show why they brought him in and then next year they'll be hoping to be fighting for the top top of the table you think well look at Castleford the start of the season everyone was saying well Radford's only going to last a couple of months stuck with him you know got over that betting in period and now as, as McShane alludes to a bit later on it's a really happy place at the moment. The, the Castleford players are looking forward to going to training every day. They've got a real tight team bond, team unit. They've got someone in Radford who's towing that line and getting it just about right between being one of the lads and having that banter, but also being the boss and making some really big calls. So that it looks like that's something that, that Daryl Powell uh, is, is going to have a real fight to get right. A word on Salford, who are, you know, we're talking about the playoffs. They've got a real chance. Yeah, I've got a real chance and... and- Paul Ollie obviously was was pleased with this side. He, he prayed full of praise for Brodie Croft. He said he was one of the best halfbacks Super League. I think he said that he, he he believes his team are probably the lowest paid, have the mm. lowest paid players across the division. I think he said that he's seen the average what the average player earns, and he thinks like his players are below that. And I think he said that their spends forty percent less than warranted. So yeah. to go there and get a win like that, especially in that fashion, he, he was obviously very pleased with it after the game. Although Paul Ollie does use every press conference just to give his his owners and bosses a bit of a nudge that look I'm doing this and you you're, you still need to give me a bit more money yeah they probably <laughs> one, of the, one of the smallest squads there is as well in Super League yeah uh, so that yeah that was a that was a fantastic result uh, for for Salford a word on the French side who I mean two lose really uh, putting a cat amongst the pigeons with that with that result which obviously has signalled the end for, for Tony Smith uh, at Hull KR but two lose got a real chance now with that massive game against Wakefield at the Magic weekend you'd say they've got to win that um, but they've got they're they're in the mix now with the fight and Catalan uh, as well absolutely fantastic result for them that top four is is as strong and competitive as I can remember seeing it uh, at the moment so so there are another another couple of results we should reference as for where I was <laughs> it won't surprise you to know I was watching Featherston again that was on the in fact I did two games on the Saturday I did the Cornwall game where their winning streak lasted one match and they were. They were back down to earth with a bump against Hunslet in League One. They they started off really well, went twelve nil ahead, but then then fell apart a bit. And Hunslet were were good value for their win. Uh, then I, I got up to Featherson for the six thirty game. I wasn't at Cornwall by the way. I don't have a helicopter. We uh, we we did that one from the studio. But I got up to Featherston and Featherston were better. Um, it was a very tough week at Post Office Road. What I've what I've found out, Josh, over the past couple of weeks, I've been a little bit surprised is how many people hate Featherston. Amongst rugby league, and how many people are waiting for them to fail because they're throwing all this? People are enjoying it, aren't they? When they people are loving it. Rovers are throwing all this money at you know as Lee are, but Rovers throwing all this money to try and get into Super League. People forget they're still part time. They're going up against basically a squad of you know NRL experienced players at Lee who are full time. That's what Featherstone are up against. But they're going really big, and people are loving seeing them fall apart. So off those, that awful month in June where they lost twice to Lee, if you include the one at the end of May in the cup final, and then that shock. That awful performance against Batley, you know, I've, I've been I've been surprised by the strength of feeling against Featherstone. So it was really interesting 
to go along on Sunday and just to see what the atmosphere was like. And it was a bit subdued. And Brian McDermott, who I spoke to before and afterwards, pretty flat. Um, I know he's had some tough words with, with his players and also with his, his chairman about the job he is doing there. And, you know, he's been brought in to get promotion and to win a grand final. So he has to do that. Otherwise, it's been a failure. So there are some tough things going on at Featherstone at the moment. They're a lot better. They scored 58 points. And Jack Broadbent, who's just come in from Leeds, scored four. He scored six in, in, in two games there. But defensively, they were poor. Yeah, conceded a fair few, didn't they? Uh, conceded four tries, with all due respect to Dennis Betts and Newcastle against a side they shouldn't be conceding four tries to. And if you're looking up uh, to go up against Lee, well, hopefully twice more at the bash and then in the grand final, you can't be defending like they do, otherwise Featherstone won't go up. So um, that was a really interesting experience. And, you know, they've got a long trip down to, to London, who had that, you know, if if we're talking about performances of the weekend, we've got to mention London, who yeah. were, what, 28-0 down at half-time? Something half -time? like that, yeah. And then what was it, 38 unanswered points uh, in the second uh, half? Absolutely fantastic to uh, to come back and, and, and win that game against Sheffield. So they will be buoyed for that with it uh, for that uh, visit of Featherstone at, at Ebbsfleet. I'll have to get the map out to, to work out where we're going at the weekend for that one. Uh, so that's uh, the weekend that's just gone. We've had a brief look ahead to the Magic weekend. The big story of the... Rugby League Week, before we uh, get into the big interview, which is Paul McShane. You won't want to miss it, by the way. Really good to have him on. Uh, it's Tony Smith, um, his his departure. You tell me your reaction to this. My, my reaction was pretty sad, actually. I've, I've got to know Tony Smith really well, and I, I didn't want it to end for him like that, but, but not at all surprised. It, it reminded me of what happened with Leeds United and Marcelo Bielsa, and he wouldn't commit to what he was doing at the end of the season, albeit this time Tony Smith has said, actually, I'm leaving. But you've got that really weird limbo period where players are thinking, well, I'm not really playing for you, subconsciously, yeah, more than anything. Yeah. It's like, I'm looking at, my eyes, rightly or wrongly, are on next season now. And they were on to such a good thing. They had a purple patch. They were brilliant to watch. Tony Smith stunned everyone with that very casual drop into the you know the mundane, week, mundane weekly press conferences that we have. Just dropped in, oh yeah, by the way, I'm leaving. And then it's fallen apart. You know, one win in eight or whatever since. Yeah, and that's what makes it less of a shot, because as soon as you just said that, if, you, if you're thinking then, well, if couple of results go against them then what what's the point what keeps what's yeah. the point of keeping him for the rest of the season knowing that he's off he's exiting the club so Danny Maguire obviously take, takes over his chance I think when Leeds obviously had the, the vacant spot he was heavily linked and he said no I'm not ready for something like that yet I was really impressed with his attitude to that he just came out and was on it he wasn't yeah, coy he was, he was just like that's ridic that's ready, ridiculous yeah. to link me with a probably the biggest job in the Super League yeah, the Leeds yeah. job and I've never been a head coach, so why on earth are you linking me? Of course, I'd love to do it. I'm a Leeds boy, but no, no, no. Come on, yeah. get real. And this will be his chance now to see if it's something he wants to progress in yeah. these next couple of weeks. And it won't be an easy task. Hull KR have become one of the most attractive sides to watch just mm. the past few weeks. Results going against them. They've been hit with injuries, and then obviously the defeat into Toulouse, and that was it. That was it for Tony Smith. But like you say, it wasn't really a shock, was it, because of the results and because of that mid-season announcement. That was just dropped in at a press conference that no one was ready for. Yeah, and you know what? He's He's got previous with that, Tony Smith. He's His his approach to the media and stuff like that, he, he likes control of it, and it's a little bit unconventional. I'll take you back. Oh, this is showing my age a bit now. I'll take you back 13 years to 2009 when Tony was straddling the Warrington job and the England head coaching job, and I was working down in London at the time and on shift at Radio 5 Live and uh, I was still quite close with Tony and it was it was the Saturday that England lost to Australia in the Four Nations final it was quite a thumping defeat as I recall and the, there was talk that that would probably be it would it would he extend his contract I think his contract was up I got a message that night on the Saturday night um, from 
whoever was running the England media at the time saying, Tony wants to come on the radio with you uh, tomorrow. I was like, okay, brilliant. <laughs> That's great. You know, I love an exclusive. I'm a journalist. Uh, you know, so I arranged for him to come on the Sunday morning. I think it'd be a chat, a debrief, a chance for him to, you know, to get back. You know, he was getting a lot of criticism for for the performances and the results, and I thought he would just want his platform for say. So of course I can arrange that national radio. He comes on Sunday morning, just casually said, "Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not staying." He resigned live, live on on national radio, and I was thinking about that this week with what he did at Hull KR. It seems to be that he. He likes that kind of casual element of surprise. This is my life. This is my career. This is my job. And this is how I'll do it. And I'm not going to sign off any press release or anything you want to do. If I if I know in my heart of hearts something's not right, I'm going to find my way of doing it. Well, there's no secrets in rugby league, is there? So, well, someone's going to get the story anyway. Someone would have got it out because Hulkar would have had to then yeah. be looking, even if it's a secret, Hulkar would have had to be looking for the next head coach and something would have come out. So there is no secret. So in that way, he gets to sort of control the narrative and say, look, my decision to leave. Yeah, yeah. And I've got a lot of time for that in a way and I've got a lot of time for the bloke. And um, It made for a good press call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I wasn't on that one actually. But you know, I just hope that Super League sees Tony Smith again that's yeah. that's my hope as, he, he was open to any opportunity of many yeah and it's an inter- it's interesting because you know right now there isn't one but you know rugby league there will be one at some point quite soon uh, I, I would wager and when the betting comes out for that I would I would imagine Tony Smith will be well, he didn't, he didn't very, rule very, out, very close to the top yeah he didn't rule out anything in championship but he also said he would look broad in his his, his range even looking to rugby union so who knows where he'll end up. Well, he's settled. He's a, he's a British citizen. You know, he's not one of these Aussie coaches who loses his job, he's going to go home. He's an Englishman now, and he's a very proud one at that. So Tony Smith is here. He's only, what, 55? Um, so we'll see Tony Smith, I'm sure, in Super League, and, and we wish him well. I certainly do. Uh, the other big story we should touch on is Regan Grace. Uh, I don't know if that was a surprise or not. It was a, it's, it's one of those disappointing ones. If you're a passionate rugby league fan... And you obviously, it, it, it will trigger the crosscode. I was going to call it a debate. It's not a debate, is it? It's just a row. It's just an angry argument on social media about league versus union. I, I, I always feel very sad when the best league players decide to go to the 15-man code. But I can't blame him. I absolutely can't blame him. I'm hoping that the future, be it immediate, medium or long term, for rugby league is positive with IMG coming in and you know how long it'll take into this 12-year plan to get to get any change I'd, I'd say it will take a few years right now the game's a bit of a mess and I think anyone could put their hand on the heart and say that so why wouldn't he go he's got St Helens or Paris he's got two weeks of sunshine a year or a really nice climate most of the year he's got a relatively decent wage or a potentially life-changing wage and he's got playing in front of sparse stadia until rammed big venues in front of a sparse crowd or a fervent support where he's going to have a profile and a chance to become a, a superstar. Well, that's it. it could be a superstar in Paris. Or you break it down. A, or he's just a rugby league player in St. Helens that outside of rugby league, no one really knows who Regan Grace is. Mm. But now because of this, he's going to be a superstar in rugby union, isn't he? Why would you turn that down? I yeah. think there won't be anyone more disappointed than John Keir, obviously with the World Cup coming Well, up. yeah. Yeah, the timing of that as yeah, well. Well, yeah, because obviously he probably would have been counting on to, to call up Regan Grace for the World Cup at the end of the year. Yeah, so um, no no real surprise. Always, a, I think, a, a bit disappointing to see, I, I say, the big stars. You, you probably wouldn't put him on the top ten list of big stars that Super League has to offer, but he's still a big name and he's a, he's a great talent. 
and for him to make that decision I just think personally fair play fair play to him um, it, it, it's a really really brave call um, a word on Magic Weekend then before we get into this week's big interview which is Paul McShane I'm not going to make it myself I think you're looking yeah. at hotels and yeah. motorway service stations and all sorts at the yeah, moment me and Drew hopefully plan to go planning your trip does it still have does Magic still have the magic and it, potentially it's a debate for another time I've always loved it I've always thought it's it's a concept for the fans rather than the players a lot of the players I've spoken to don't like it at all because it's a long travel for effectively a game that they could be playing on the doorstep yes they get a nice stadium but it's just a long travel and an overnight stop and you know, with all the games rolling on and off if you're unlucky you're, you're getting changed in a broom cupboard or a kitchen if you're lucky you're getting the big changing room but then you've got to shower and get out within half an hour and you know take your pizza box and get out of here basically it's always for the fans which is why I wonder now does it still have a place in it because the fans nobody's got any money in the world at the moment and we've got a World Cup year people are saving up for you know grand finals playoffs cup finals that gone the World Cup tickets can fans still afford to go to a magic weekend in Newcastle well a debate like this can journalists still afford to go to <laughs> just a debate like this you could probably have in a whole podcast couldn't you because yeah. And I should say, I, I love it. I'm just looking at it thinking... Yeah, a working-class sport is asking fans... Because, let's be honest, a, tip, a, a trip to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium earlier this year wouldn't have been cheap. And now, just two months later, we're also asking them to fork out a load of money. And hotel prices have gone up. Compared yeah, yeah. We're asking them to fork out a lot of money, you know, families to go up, up, up north, whether it be a hotel or, you know, the price of petrol at the minute, yeah. even a massive impact. It is, a, it is a tough one, isn't it? Because Danny Maguire said earlier on the call that he knows that players love it because those clubs that don't make aren't lucky enough to make finals, this is kind of a final. It's a chance for that big game stadium. experience, yeah, yeah. Exactly that. But you're right, and that other players probably think, well, it's, it's a bit of a pain to go all the way up there and then travel back down. Yeah, the, 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 players, the players, without wanting to generalise, of St Helens, Wigan, Leeds, who have experienced that, you know, big, big... They can't, you know, excuse my French, they can't really be arsed with it. Um, you know, oh, we got our oh, magic this week. And what time are we on? Yeah. What time are we leaving? What time are we getting there? Are we staying over? Are we coming back? It's a, it's a really difficult one. And, and the other thing is, as well, of course, in World Cup we hear when we've had debates on the Love Rugby League podcast about creating more space to strengthen the international team and, for heaven's sake, getting them to meet up a bit more often than than once in World Cup year. This is a weekend we could have done that rather than having this extra round of fixtures at, at Magic Weekend, is it not? You know. I don't know. I don't know whether it's got a future or not, personally. Uh, I love it as a concept. I just think with the changes that we would hope are going to be directed towards strengthening the international game, which is the only real way to grow rugby league as a sport, I think we're going to have to be a bit cuter with our diaries, our schedule, our wallets, and think perhaps it was nice while it lasted, but maybe it, it's not right anymore. And even having, what is it, 27 rounds in Super League? That is a lot of games for, for players. And then to have a couple of weeks break and then go into the World Cup and expect the best we can get in the World Cup with such a short break. It, we, are, we are asking a lot of players, and that's something that Christian Wolfe always brings up, is that we are asking a lot of our players in Super League. On that, I was surprised, just before we get into, into the big interview, I was surprised by some of the reaction on social media to the John Keir podcast a couple of weeks ago on Love Rugby League when you know he was very passionate about the first thing that needs to be changed when IMG come in are to streamline the schedule, make it just home and away, give look after the players more and then from that strengthen the international game. When I wrote up that story and went on social media, all the fans underneath were saying, what's he on about? Fewer games? They, they play one game a week, now we want more games. It's like, that's, that's not it, is it? 
We don't. We don't want fewer games. We don't want more games. I sorry. I don't think. I think we've got enough games. Surely, twenty-seven rounds, pushy challenge cups. Then you say. Then we're then we're asking them to produce the best they can at a World Cup. We're asking a lot of our players. Not get injured. Not get suspended. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Lots of debate. Let us know. Come on the uh, the Love Rugby League uh, socials and website. Leave comments to anything you've heard on, on the podcast today. And a reminder, this Love Rugby League podcast out every Wednesday from uh, wherever you get your podcasts on, on Apple, Spotify, all the big ones. Uh, Josh, thank you. Uh, safe trip to Magic. Yes, thanks. Uh, report back next week. Uh, the big interview this week is, uh, is a cracker. It's a man who's had real success at Castleford Tigers, who uh, learnt his trade at Leeds and now he is hopeful of getting that most sought after prize of an England shirt at the World Cup. It's the recent Man of Steel, the Castleford Tigers captain. This week's big interview is Paul McShane. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com Welcome to this week's big interview, a weekly look at life and league with one of the sport's biggest names. And this week we're joined by a very recent man of steel, an England international and captain of the Inform Castleford Tigers right now, Paul McShane. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Um, great to have you on, first of all, and in such good form, Castleford at the moment, the last few weeks. In fact, you're unbeaten through June, given you had a week off as well. Um it's going really well. Confidence must be particularly high at the moment. Yeah, it's mate, it's um, it all come from the the Toulouse trip. Um, we had a really tough game out there in like really hot conditions, and it just so much just just switched. I think as as mentality about Catanon to be an attacking side, and I think at minute we've switched to a defensive side, which everyone's enjoying. Is that something that Lee Radford wanted you to do, or is that something that's just happened? Um, no, he's, 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 he's tried to bring it in from the start of the season and it's it's took its time to get in there. But now I think the players and that believe believe in it. And I think now you can see there's a buzz. Like, we look like we're enjoying defending, especially against that Uddersfield weekend. Um, how we're defending, especially going a man down. Yeah, those, those two. I mean, the Toulouse trip, you know, hard for a number of reasons, the, the temperature and the distance and stuff. But... I think on the face of it, most people would expect you to beat Toulouse. The last couple, Catalan, one of the biggest teams around, and Huddersfield, one of the best teams around at the moment. You know, how much of a lift have those two results in particular given you? Yeah, massive. Especially we when we went over to Catalan, we got we got completely dominated by the Catalan pack that that week, and I think as forwards really stood up against them last week. And same with Huddersfield, I don't think we put in a a good performance at their place, but. We turn that around. I think playing at home, we're building some really good momentum playing at home in front of his fans. So I hope they're enjoying that as well. Do you, do you feel like this form had been coming? I'm looking at the start of the season where things were got a little bit sticky, and often you see that, don't you, with a new coach? You, you know, you've been around the block a few times. It takes a while. It takes a while to bed in. Did, did you need a bit of patience? Yeah, I think you do, and I think the the belief. We're always there within the group. We knew we could, we are a good side. It was just waiting for the penny to drop. And like I say, just a little switch men mentally about enjoying defending and getting after teams. I think it's really benefiting us. Is, is that, tell, talk to me a bit more about that switch. You know, how do you bring about a mental switch? That, that, that purely comes from the coach. It must do. You can't just magically click your, 
your, your head and think a different way. That's that must be down to the way you coach, isn't it? I don't know because I think we've always been good, a very good attacking side, yeah. and I think sometimes we've thought that'd get us out of trouble. Whereas now we've got the belief that this defence will get us out of trouble because uh, against Duddersfield, we were on back foot, we defended non-stop most of that first half, but we were 16 or 20 points to good, you know what I mean? Um, I think, yeah, more of a, a belief and a, a confidence thing that we can stick at it and, and go with the bigger teams. Uh, talk to me a bit about Lee Radford. What, you know, what's, what's it been like? Since he came in, what what's he like as a person? What's he like to, well, not only to play for, but to be his to be his captain, like you are. <laughs> good mate, he's, he's he's very good around the group. He's in with lads. He'll, he'll talk to lads, but I think the big thing is the lads have the respect for him. You know, he's when he played, he played tough, and he's, he's won things with all. But around the group, it's. He knows when to be serious. He knows when he can have a laugh with you. He knows when he needs to put his arm around you. And he knows when he needs to bollock you, really. So he's got a good, really good balance. And I think, as a player, it probably took me a while to get used to that. And probably some players did. But now, I think I think it's showing in how, how we are as a team. Like, the togetherness is unreal at the minute. What, what was he like when things weren't going great for you? Because, obviously, that just comes down to the coach, especially when it's a new coach. And... You know, everyone starts having a go at him, saying, "Oh, they got the wrong man in here," and, and all that nonsense. How no, I, I don't think. I don't think any of it went down to the coach. I think it was us as a group. If you look at some of us performances, we've been in games and then we've done certain things that have just unexplainable, really, and just gifted teams teams wins. And I know it's that year we got a fair few cards, which were were pretty reckless and, and cost us games. But as a coach, it, it was. He was fairly positive, I think, because he knew what we were like as a group and he knew that we had or have the potential to, to be whatever we want to be. Do you feel extra responsibility now you're now you're one of the, the old boys and you, you've got the captains? The captains <laughs> Do you feel any different? I didn't think I would have done, but yeah, I, I feel a slight bit more pressure, yeah. Yeah, but um, it's something that I'm starting to enjoy and and a, a little bit more relaxed about now. What kind of captain do you think you are? What, what kind of captain would you say you are? Um, I'm not much of a speaker, like you, you'll probably tell on here, but um, <laughs> I just like to to crack on with my job and you know push standards. Really, I, I'm I'm pretty stubborn. I want to win everything, and hopefully, my drive gets gets people going. You've played. We've got that. a lot of Don't we've sorry. got a lot of we've got a lot of good leaders in the team and. People that have been at Cass a bit long, like a fair bit longer than me, you know, from Massey Gerard's Milner that that are massive in, in helping me in my in my role. Yeah, Joe Westerman, I would say, is probably one of the leaders there now as well, isn't he? Or he's, he'd certainly say, say he was. In in every way, in every way, I mean, especially like performance-wise and everything. And he's another one of those blokes that he loves Cass. He's a Cass lad, and he he'd do all for the cause. And I think he's been an outstanding signing for us. Uh, you've you've played under some great captains. I, I was trying to think, you know, during your time at Leeds, some of the skippers you played under, you know, well, mainly one guy um, <laughs> for, for the time you were there because he was there for a hundred years. Um, you, you know, have you learnt and taken bits from the from the different captains you've played under under the years? Or yeah, yeah. I think I were always 
as a kid, I were always looking and watching people. And like you say, I've worked under great captains, played with great players and, and worked under great coaches. And, you know, little little traits here and there have probably made me become the, the player that I am now. It, it took a while. It took to 28 years old for me to, to find what, what sort of player I wanted to be. But, yeah. Um, what are the targets you think this season? I was just looking at the table before we come on. You're up to a fifth now. Can you can you keep climbing? How how high is is realistic for this cast here? If we we want playoffs. No, that if we don't make a playoffs, that's um, it's a, a failed season in in the group's perspective. And I think now I think now we're in there. We need to keep pushing and try and push foot far. Is that realistic? Do you think? Um. What what there's not what there's not much from fourth now is there with us? Uh, um, now you're asking, what is it? Four points, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's only a couple. Of, yeah, we've got a fair few games left, but with how we're at the minute, we we're confident and we just need to keep building and hopefully we we no matter what we end up in playoffs. Hopefully, yeah, you're five points behind Huddersfield, who you've just beaten. Yeah. So, and you know who've been absolutely flying. I mean, what did you make of their performance, by the way, in the in the in the Challenge Cup final? Everyone, everyone was saying it was a it was going to be a walkover Wigan win, and really Huddersfield should have won it, shouldn't they? Yeah, it's, I think that just that just shows what Wigan are like as a club, that they're experienced and they've been there and they've done it so many times. But yeah, kind of felt sorry for Huddersfield with the effort and and how well they did in that game. But I just think Wigan that. They just know how to play them big games. I thought uh, I thought when when I knew you were coming on this week, we'd have a good chat to to preview the magic weekend. But you've managed to get yourself a week off, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what man, happened? Man. I didn't. I actually missed it. I think. I think I was in the kitchen during that bit. I come back and you were walking off the pitch. What happened? Yeah, it was for a, a tip tackle. Right. Uh, yeah. So no. No. Man, it was just just wrong. I couldn't control control it. Fair cop then. Uh, I'd have liked this and been sufficient. That would have been ideal, so I could have played this week. But I, I can't complain. It, it's it's not in rules. You, you can't do it. So I've just got to cop it. Do you think it's calmed down the the disciplinary side of things from the first month where everyone was, you know, was was losing it really um, about what was going on and people were having bans left, right, and centre. We're still seeing a bit of that, aren't we? But it seems there's, there's a greater understanding. I don't, you tell me as players, I don't know if the players are just getting the hang of it or there's a bit more wisdom or leniency from or understanding from the official side or a bit of both, perhaps. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both, but I think when, when something new comes in, that you're always looking for it. And when it happens and it's there, you, you're talking about it all week and you probably penalise it. Whereas now I feel like there is a good understanding and there's a lot more talk between players and refs during the game about stuff that, that's going on. Uh, you, uh, well, you won't be wearing it because you're not playing, but you, your, your teammates are wearing your the, the special magic shirt, uh, aren't they? I, I'd forgotten you were doing that, actually. We've just got um, Rob Burrow's name, initials, number on, and you know I think a five are going to each of his charity from each shirt sale to the MNDA and um, to the Leeds hospitals where everyone's trying to raise enough funds to, I think it's five million needed for the for the hospital in Rob's name, um, you know, as someone who's played with Rob and a, you know, a, a lad who came through at Leeds, that, that must have been quite a special gesture for the club to do. Yeah, mate, it were awesome and something that made it 
what would have made it even better for me, it was all black, so it's a bit more slimming. So I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I looked all right in it, but no, mate, I, I was chuffed to bits that the club have done it. And, you know, Rob, like as a young kid coming through, Rob were a, a star. And he was one of the first blokes that puts your arm round it. And, and I got really close when we had a trip to Vegas and that, but I'm probably too close sometimes. Um, but we, we can't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, he's, he's spoken to me about you and, you know, and your, your friendship. How have, it's a difficult question, this, um, you know, how have you felt about, about what's happened to Rob and, you know, the last couple of years and what, he's, what he continues to go through? Uh, yeah. It's, I just think what, what he's doing now is just inspirational. I just think if you he's, he's, he's positive in everything he does, and I think that sums Rob up. He never let Oak get him down. And, yeah, it's, it's, it is fairly hard to talk about, like, but I think he's, he's a champion. Do you, have, you, have you got to see him much recently? Yeah, I went to see him, I think, with Kylie. Um, I think it was, it might have been back end or start of this year. Popped over with Kylie. Um, yeah, stayed there for an hour or so watching Kylie eat old cakes while <laughs> we just we just chatted. <laughs> he's, he's hilarious, isn't he? Still, right? He's still so funny. Like raising, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's you know what I've loved. Um, you know, we you know I I try and get there as much as I can, and, it, and you're right, it's hard. Um, but see, it's an insight for me as a fan of the camaraderie you guys have in that dressing room. You know, a few of the times I visited, Barry's been there and he still turns up, rips the hell out of Rob. Rob's got something typed ready to go on his computer to write <laughs> back, you know, blinking as he does with his eyes to fire it back some insults at Barry. And then they keep going at each other again, the big man and little man. And then he's just creasing with like massive belly laughs. And it's just, you know, it's just natural, raw, beautiful friendship which yeah. must have been what it was like with you guys in that dressing room. Yeah, mate, it's it's a bond that's it's mad. Like once you once you're in it, it's it's hard to forget. No matter how long apart you are, you always have that that bond. As a player, just a, you know, a couple more on Rob. What was it that made him such a a, a special player? Would you say? I've the big thing was for me like off field, it was just like a, any other normal bloke or kid who you think he'd, he'd sit, talk to you, have a laugh with you, mess about. And as a young kid, you kind of start starstruck with that. And he's someone that's probably it'd help anyone out. And then going on to the field, I think he was just a, just a freak, wasn't he? Like, could do absolutely anything, tackle all, and tries out with score tries out of nothing really I don't think there'll be another Rob Burrow. No I think you're right and you know certainly in the way the way the game's gone as well with, with, with player welfare um, you know and I think most people would say rightly so think about you know how, how he not only how he coped with it all but he, he, he gave it <laughs> yeah. I was just about to say he's, he had a pretty good fighting record as well didn't he I think he was really <laughs> always used to say <laughs> well, this is it. When we, when we talk about Rob, and I talk about him a lot on these podcasts, obviously he's a, he's a mate of mine, as you know, and like, I like sharing memories about him, but we always come back to that fight he had with Luwaki at LFC. He, he picked like the biggest man on the pitch, didn't he? Yeah. And he properly, properly went for him. <laughs> <laughs> I 
but did he inspire? I mean, you're not. I mean, I, I can say this because I'm a tiny bloke, but you're not a big guy. You're you're only what five, six, five, seven, something like that. Yeah. So yeah. Did he, five, did he... But I'm I'm as wide as I am tall, so <laughs> I, look, I look a little bit bigger. <laughs> but but that must have been some kind of inspiration for you, thinking you know, as you say, you idolised Rob, and you know, to see the the guy you idolise, who was the smallest guy ever to play the game, doing what he did. That must have given you a bit of belief when you were trying to break in as a pro, thinking, well, I can definitely do what he's doing because he's doing it. Yeah, and in his mindset, whatever he did, he wanted to win. I think that was a big thing. I think I think he was so strong, fast, whatever he did. He was just a competitor, no matter how big you were against him, he, he was a winner. I think that, that was a big thing. And we're seeing that now, you know. He's, uh, what he's doing now is, is exactly that. Um, we talk about England for, for a bit. You've uh, you played, um, I was going to say this month, it's last month now, we're in July, and you made a couple of appearances during you know the last very difficult couple of years for everyone. Um, how's that been? Um, and how proud are you when you put that England shirt on? Oh, mate, like, it's, hard, like, it's hard to explain. Um, I thought the opportunity went. At 27, when we when we went grand final with Casa, I thought that was my peak. I thought it's now or never. And then I obviously got I got overlooked for I think it was that World Cup, and I just kind of put Q in rack. But then I had Pauli start of every pre-season. I want you to be pushing for England. You need to be doing it. Keep driving. Keep going. It'll come. And you know, when he ended up getting a job and, and giving me the opportunity at 32, which um, pretty mad to say that I made my debut at 32. Yeah, yeah, that, that, gives, <laughs> that gives hope to a few players as well. I'll tell you. So, yeah. so Dawa so Powell played a big, a big role, kind of in reigniting your your international career. Yeah, yeah. Because when I first went to Castle, there was never a mention of it, but Powell seen something in me. Then obviously, after a year or two, he, he had the belief that I could push and, and get in there, and you know, thankfully, I did. How how frustrating has it been, therefore, to to kind of get back in there and? Yeah, a bit with the pandemic and stuff, it's been hit and miss trying to get a game. But but this year, up until June, when you met up, there hadn't been anything, had there? You know, it's, it's so kind of difficult. And, you know, from a fan looking in, it's so frustrating trying to build some momentum with the international team where you guys just don't don't really see each other and, and have that kind of opportunity you did in June. Yeah, it's, it, is, it is fairly hard. But the, the camp that we've just been on, I thought it was awesome. Like, it was like we'd played together for every week. It was a really enjoyable camp, but throughout the pandemic and stuff like that, the coaches were always in touch. They always were sending videos and watching his, reviewing his games and giving us little tips on what they want us to do and wanting the England mould, what they what they expect of their players. So it was fairly easy once you once you do go into camp, you know well, what they expect. So what made it such a good camp, this one? You know, what were the ingredients that made you think that was awesome? I'd, like, I'm still fairly new to them. I've only done one previous to this, so... It might have just been my way of thinking that I was just chuffed to bits to be in there and, and that, but I just know everyone was together. Non, like we were, we were at a good setup. We, we trained at, at Wigan you know, under some great facilities and we stopped over at Warrington at the village there. And it was just the staff were, were great with how they organised everything. We went go karting and had a laugh, and yeah, it was good. It might know. just me, I might be a bit still in, in awe that I'm actually in there and felt like a competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all the players seem to love love Sean Wayne. You know, say he's very personable and, and makes a point of 
talking to you, lets you know where you are and he's thinking and what he wants from you. So, so how's he, how's he been, how's he been with you and what, what kind of things has he said to you? Mate, it's, it's been great. He's been honest. And I think it's, it's not hard what he wants from his players. So for me, it's just, I do, I have to deliver. He's got the belief and confidence in me. So I need to deliver what he expects from me. So, and you don't want to let him down. It's weird. Like, I've known him just over a year, but you just you just don't want to let him down, and I think that that's what's good. You know, for, for me, like when I've got that respect for someone, um, yeah. So, so tell me from the inside because I'm I'm finding the battle for the number nine shirt fascinating as a as an England fan. You were obviously in the squad with Mickey McAloran, who Sean Wayne loves, and you know he's always loved, and he's got a really good shot now. I would say McAloran of, of the World Cup. Then you got the other guys playing. For the All Stars in Leeming and and Clark, and then you've got a guy who's retired from international rugby league that everyone keeps saying has got to come back in James Roby. So, what's your reading of, you know, what 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 lies in terms of your battle for getting in that squad in in the World Cup? Um, yeah, I just need to be at the top of my game. I need to. I think I'm a bit off of it at a minute. If I'm if I'm brutally honest with myself, I'm I'm not to the standards where I want to be, and I just need to get back to doing that. If not, I'm I'm going to miss out. Like you say, we've got that many nines jumping at the bit to get in there. I just need to worry about me so I can get myself in there. And if I don't, I've, I've no one else to blame. What's expected of me from Wayne and, and from my club? It's fairly simple. So I've just got to sort myself out. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Sean Wayne's honesty. So is that you know reading between the lines here? Is that basically what he said to you? Is like I really rate you, Paul, but I think you're a bit your form's a bit off at the moment. So you've got to you've got to up your game if you want a World Cup spot. Um, yeah, and, and, and myself, I don't think I'm where I am yet. Um, it's I had a slow start to the season, and I feel like I've been gradually building and, and getting there, and it's a long year. And normally I've peaked early in the season. And on the peak early, and it's like there's a different approach to it this year. Not purposely, but I want to. I want to now. I feel fresh. I feel like I've got. I can go go even better. Do you reckon? Uh, do you reckon Roby will come back, or is this just paper talk and media speculation that he might he might play? As an England fan, if he did, it'd be great for England. Yeah. I think now. I think how he performs is still the best nine in comp. I don't think there's anyone that can get anywhere near him. And that's as a, a bloke who probably end up missing out for it. But as an England fan, he's, he's the best we've got still. Mm. I was going to say, I mean, it's a ridiculous kind of conversation to have because you as an England fan want him in there, but that would probably mean you're not going to play in the World Cup. Yeah, or I just have to pick up my game to, to make sure I'm better and get in there. And that's the challenge. I'd prefer the challenge than than just say, oh, yeah, I I want to make sure I'm in there, so I need to sort myself out. Uh, I mentioned Westerman before. Would you would you have, have him in there, would you, back in England? Yeah. I think how he's going, I think he's best for in comp at minute. And I don't, like, he's... West has been known as an attacker, a ball-playing 13. But what he's done for us as a team over the past month or so defensively, like... He's 
I think he's a big indicator on why we've gone so well. Mm. I think he's he's switched from that attacking mentality to defending. He's putting he's a big boy and he's putting his body on people and, and the feeling it. Yeah. He's probably feeling it as well next day. <laughs> he's getting old, isn't he like me, hobbling about every day. But no, I think Westy is such a talented player. Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, he's great fun as well. Uh, he, he would agree with you saying he's the best 13 around, I'm sure, as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you, can you cut that bit out? Because I think that has given him some praise of a week and he hasn't lived it down since. Yeah, that's right. Since he did that profile piece on Channel 4, which went out on national TV and he was strolling around like he owned cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one, more, one more on England as an England fan. What, realistic hopes... I mean, it's on the plus side, Australia and New Zealand are in the other half of the draw. But I've watched all the recent Pacific Islands internationals and got a little bit worried because they all look so good. I don't know if you caught any of their games, but blimey, they're, they're, England are going to have to be right on it. No, mate, everything we've... Our only mindset, what we spoke about, is winning the World Cup. There's no other thought process going, going into it. Especially we're playing at home, we haven't had one for a while, especially getting delayed with pandemic. Our, our only thoughts are going there and winning a World Cup, making history and winning a World Cup. There are a lot of people who listen to you say that. I mean, it's great to hear you say that, but would would look at the other nations and say, no chance. You know, what, what would you what would you say to them? The can't. It's, it's, it's hard. Like, when you're in the group, it's like you feel it. And the coaches, they... They're working hard to to look at the players over in NRL and stuff like that and finding out what's what they're good at and what they're weak at. And mm-hmm. as a group of players, we'll just we'll just go after that task and with a determination to win it. Um, you mentioned like when we started talking about England and you know the role Darrell Powell's played. Um, you know, we, we talked about Lee Radford having a tough start, but you could start, multiply that by by ten of what, what the start Darrell Powell's having at, at Warrington. Have you been surprised by how difficult he and Warrington have found the start to his tenure there. Yeah, mate, because I just, Warrington, they've been constantly a top three or four side and I don't think you do expect this, especially working under Pauli and knowing how good it was for me and for us as a team at Cass. Um, it's definitely a shock, but it won't last forever. Hmm. It won't well, last forever. What's your reading as a player, as someone who knows Dalapal so well, as, as what might be happening? Is it is it as simple as they just haven't learned his way yet, or is there other stuff do you think going on? I don't know. It just I obviously I'm not I'm not in there, and I'm I'm, I'm close with with Pete. We speak a fair bit, but we never really go into detail about the jobs. We just talk about family, how how we're getting on. But I don't know. It's I think. They don't know because they've got so many good players in that squad. It just once it clicks, I think they'll they'll be they'll be up there again. And it's our final one on on Dale. You know, it's interesting that you still chat a lot. You're obviously quite close. Is, is he all right? Because he'll be getting a lot of flack, I'm sure, from Warrington fans who will be demanding so much more than the team's given them at the moment. Well, I've, I've only really spoke with Pete and and Oggy, but. Um, but I think he's a passionate bloke, Paul, and, he, and yeah. he really cares about what he does. He loves rugby and 
he'll be all invested in Warrington. So, yeah, the results will, will definitely be hurting him. But knowing Pauly, he'll be t- determined to get it right. Uh, here's a question for you. My respect for you could go one of two ways with your answer to this one. Um, are you watching Love Island? Only bits and bats. No, <laughs> no major, mate. No yeah. major. Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm very much not. But I know, I do know that there's someone in there you will know. Well, I now former cast player because he quit you, didn't he, to go in there? Um, yeah. Well, I think it, it was a point when I saw him snogging someone's face off. I think I had to turn it off. <laughs> I just had my tea and I just thought, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> Blimey. Um, how, did, how did all that come about then? Like, did you, you must have known before he went in. Was he, was he telling the lads or did it, you know? No, mate, honestly, um, it was just a, a, a drop of the hat thing. I think, I think it all had to be kept under wraps and I don't even know if the club knew much about right. it. Um, so, yeah, we're like a bit of a, oh, you're kidding, aren't you? <laughs> like, no, no, it's, it's happening. And then at the end of the day, you just got to, got to back him. Um, he's a good kid. Um, I spent a lot of time with him from when he was 16. Um, I, I took him in training a couple of times until he rode his pedal bike up motorway wrong side. At, I heard uh, that story. Yeah, Luke Gale told that story, didn't he? That was very yeah. Once he did that, I washed my hands of him for a, a bit and then I was friends with him again and then he put a tin of beans in microwave at training. Actual <laughs> full tin of beans and then we were on rocks again. But no, he's, he's really? a great kid. And, um, I, hope, I, I hope he does well. I really do. He's, him and his family sacrificed a lot at 16, at a young age. They all moved down from Barrow and they all settled in, in, in Cass or Normanton. So... I hope he does well, not just for him, but just for his family as well. Uh, Luke Gale, on that, that when he told that story, he just said about the motorway, called him a lovely kid, but one of the thickest lads I've ever met. Uh, is, <laughs> is, that, is that fair? <laughs> well, I was shocked that he could read messages when they got a text. <laughs> I was really impressed. That was probably like a proud dad moment. He read a full, a full thingy. No, he's... <laughs> he ain't the brightest, but he's a, he's a clued up kid, and yeah, I think if he wanted to come back to rugby, I think he'd slot straight back into it. Do you think? Do you think he will? I mean, presumably he'll he'll earn. I don't know because I don't watch it, but they'll earn millions off this. So why why would he bother coming back to rugby league? Well, hopefully, mate. Like I said, hopefully he does do that, and he, he sets his family up for life and and stuff like that. So all all I'm doing as a mate and a teammate is is backing him and up. Well. If he keeps kissing people, I'll probably vote him out. But yeah, I hope he does really well from it. Um, we'll just have it's a look. probably me being a bit me uh-huh. being a, a little chubby bald fella, and I probably won't get invited into out like that. So I was gonna say, kid, is I was gonna say, are any of the other lads jealous that it's not there? Um no, I think I think Jack's is, is the one that is he had the confidence to do it as well. Right. Yeah, well, fair play to him. Um I'll let you go in a couple of minutes. I, I, you know, as a former Leeds man, I want to ask you a bit about, about your time there. Um, we've alluded to it a bit with, with Rob Burrow. How do you reflect on your time at, at, at Leeds? It was kind of stop-start for you, wasn't it, over the, the seasons you were there? Yeah. Um, for me, I don't think I could have had a better place as a 16-year-old kid to learn my trades up until when I left from the academy system, the coaches that I had, 
to going into the first team with the coaches that I had and the players that I trained with and the different people that were coming in, working under Disco, working under Bedsy, Rob, Kev, Magsy, stuff like that. I think it's probably one of the best apprentices, apprenticeships you could have had as a rugby player. And when it comes to an end, the time were right, I, I needed to play. I probably would have stayed at Leeds forever, but credit to Brian Mack, the, the opportunity wasn't there and he, he wanted me to go and find my feet as a rugby player. And I can't, I can't, I don't have a bad word to say about the club really for, for letting me do that. What do you make of where they've been the last couple of years? Has that surprised you? And do you think they'll ever get back to those those heights that you kind of dipped your toe in when you were there? Um, I don't know. Like some, some special people there, weren't they? And what the group that they had there. I, I like. I were lucky just to be, like you say, little bits in there and and be around them people. But I think it'd be hard to get to that. But I think Leeds are renowned for the youth, the young kids that they get through. I think they've got that constant conveyor belt. You see it now with like young Gannon, Newman, stuff like that. And once those lads get three or four more years experience and they'll probably bring even better younger kids through, I think that they've got a chance to, to be up there again. Uh, you are 32 now, I think you said. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You've got a deal till the end of 25? Yeah. Will that, will that be you done then? Or will you will you play somewhere else or carry on? Or? Um, yeah, I think I'd like to call it time then. Um, I won't be that young anymore, would I? But I didn't really start playing every week till I was 25, 26. So in as well, I've gone from playing at 18 every week, every minute, every week. You know what I mean? So... I'm probably going to be a bit fresher than than some my age. But, yeah, I think I'd like to call it time. I've done 10 years at Cass. I absolutely love playing for Cass. Um, the opportunity they've given me and the people there, what they've made me. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it'd be perfect if if I could stop it that way. Any thoughts yet about what next? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, me and my wife have spoken a fair bit. My, my kids will be... 10 and 7 at the time. I'd, I'd like to go to Australia, I think. Oh, wow. For it, for a year, possibly two, like coaching. Maybe working, coaching in lower leagues out there. And if my body lets me, maybe play if it's part-time. But, yeah, I'd like to do that and give my kids a different experience as well as doing what I love in, in coaching and seeing how it goes from there. See, most, most players at the peak of their game try and go in Australia. You're waiting until you're an old man. <laughs> and then you yeah, no, it's more, it's not, it won't be a, a rugby decision. It'd be yeah, yeah. a different way of life, work. Um, let my kids experience something different, really. And if I can get a coaching gig or something like that out there, then that's me. That's what I know, you know what I mean? But I'm, I'd be more than happy going out there and working. I've just got three years now to decide what I want to do working-wise. Um, I always finish off these chats with the same question with everyone, which is, you know, kind of what rugby league, a life in league has has taught you that has served you well, you know, kind of in the rest of life. What Because rugby league gives us so much as as people and really moulds the kind of way we live and the people we are. What, what life lessons have you taken from rugby league that has given you so much that you would say has served you well in life and kind of built the kind of person you are? Um, a big thing that got instilled in me when I first joined Leeds at 16 were manners and respect. I think I had John Baxter at the time and it were always 
good morning, thank you, opening doors for people and stuff like that. And I think if you have that mixed in with hard work beats talent, at starting my career, I thought I was talented. So I thought I'd get through games just by being talented, but that ain't enough. And I, real, I nearly realised that too late at 25, 26, where there's shit, I have to actually work a lot harder because that beats that. So, yeah, so working hard and just being respectful. Uh, Paul, you've been a great guest. I knew you would be. We'll, we'll wrap it up because we both need to get ready for Love Island. So we will leave it there. <laughs> um, but the very best of luck for, for the rest of the season and um, hopefully for the World Cup as well. Thanks for being with us. No worries. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.